So the sermon today is going to be called Friendship with God. And like you just heard, we're endeavoring to read through the Bible together as a church. 2019, let's read through the Bible together as a church. And I want this morning to preach from Psalm 25 because it's a psalm about cultivating friendship with God. Okay, so we're going to read through the psalm and then we're going to see, um, we're going to cast some vision for what it's going to look like in uh, 2019 to read through God's word. Uh, and along with that, cultivating friendship with God. So, Psalm 25. This is a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, your word is truth. And so God, at, at the close of a year, we just say together that you have been faithful to us, that you have provided for our needs. Lord, I think of uh, where we were a few months ago as a church, not sure where we were going to meet. Uh, and you led us to stay here and you've provided for us to stay here. And we thank you for that. And Lord, that one little thing is a story of your character and your faithfulness to us. We know that our Lord will provide for our every need out of the riches of his grace. And so God, now as we endeavor uh, in 2019 to read through your word, God, would you draw us into love with you? Would you cultivate our friendship with you? Lord, would you... Uh, would you give us more than 
a gift or more than the answers to the questions we have, would you give us the gift of yourself? Would you give us your presence? We seek you and we long for you and we wait upon you. Jesus, would you be lifted up and glorified now? Thank you that all scripture testifies about you. That it all points to you, Jesus. All of our hopes, all of our longings, all the things that uh, we desire, they ultimately can only find their rest and their fulfillment in you. So Jesus, speak to us now from your word. Would your Holy Spirit help me to teach faithfully your word? In Christ's name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> so we are endeavoring to read through the Bible in 2019 as a church. Um, <clears throat> but out, at the outset of this, I want us to like redefine what the win of 2019 is, okay? So if, if our goal is reading through the Bible, what's, what's the true win of 2019? Now, I don't, think, I don't think the win is just every person in here reads every page of the Bible. Like, I, I long for that. I, I hope, I hope we do, but that itself is not the win. The win is cultivating friendship with God, right? We, you know, you know, you can, you can pass your eyes over the pages. You know, you know, you can be technically hearing a conversation and then your wife or your friend asks you, so what do you think? And you're, what? I, I'm sorry. I was completely somewhere else. So the goal isn't simply just to absorb every single page of this book, to, but to start to cultivate friendship with God. And that's going to include his word. There is no way to cultivate friendship with God without spending time in his word and without prayer. But that, the goal, the win is not just every page, just read every page, check it off, okay? We're, we are not aiming for perfection, but we are aiming for perseverance. We aren't going to be perfect, but we are going to persevere in this. And so as we embark to cultivate friendship with God in 2019, we are going to have some foes against us. We are going to find ourselves in the midst of some tensions, uh, and we're going to learn, need to learn how to resolve some things within ourselves. So in Psalm 25, we actually see David uh, have to face again, up against real enemies and real evil. Uh, we see him trying to discern the will of God, uh, and we see him resolve some of his own guilt. So those are some of the things we're going to do as we walk through Psalm 25. We're going we're gonna to take a look at how do we deal with the enemies we actually face. We're going to ask, how do, we, how do we work through the tension of trying to discern God's will for our life and be guided by him? And lastly, we're going to need to learn how to resolve the guilt we have. So first, dealing with our enemies. Verses 1 through 5. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. 
we enter into the Psalm 25. And in Psalm 25, as we enter, we discover something. And that's that we are in the middle of an ongoing war. In the time of the Old Testament, David was facing some enemies. And we're not sure which situation this is exactly. Uh, one of my favorite comments about or quotes about the Psalms is from Donald Whitney. He says this, that God gave us the Psalms that we might give the Psalms back to God. And so in the Psalms, we don't always know the exact situation going on there, but I think that's due to the wisdom of God. He didn't want us to say, oh, well, this is just, this is just when you have the current king of a nation pursuing you and trying to kill you. And we read him and say, well, There's no king trying to pursue and kill me right now, so I guess I can't pray the psalm. No, God wants us to find ourselves in these psalms and learn how to pray through them, learn how to bring our needs to God. So David had an enemy, and what I need us to know at the outset, going into 2019, is we're not starting 2019 just on neutral ground, okay? We actually do have an enemy. He is one who prowls around like a roaring lion. He accuses the brethren, the brothers and sisters of Christ, day and night. He lies to us. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we're ignorant of that going into 2019, we're we're just going to get owned by him. The scriptures say, I want you to be sober-minded. I want you to go into this knowing that there is a real spiritual force of evil and darkness in the world. <clears throat> and so as you, as you endeavor to open up your Bible and spend time with God, this, this enemy is going to show his head. And at times it's going to be kind of a sneaky thing, right? The enemy I'm talking about is the devil or Satan, that serpent who first appeared in the garden and his demons, his workers of evil. Uh, He's going to show up, and at times it's going to be kind of this crafty thing. Some of the ways he acts is maybe by distraction, maybe by distraction. So if you open your Bible, something absolutely remarkable will uh, happen sometimes, and that is all the things you hate doing will suddenly seem like the most urgent things in the entire world, (laughs) right? So I, I get up, I get up on Tuesday morning, and I I've made some good coffee and I'm sitting at my desk and I open my Bible and suddenly, oh my gosh, I need, I need to pay my water bill. Like I need to do that right now. And um, I have undone work. Like, oh, I, I didn't send that text. I didn't send that email. I should probably send that email before the person's even awake. Like all these things are gonna seem so pressing and there's gonna be the lures and the calling outs to you of Twitter and everything in the world is going to seem pressing and like, I need to do this. Why is that? Why is that? It, I, I think sometimes if we would open our Bibles, we could have a desire sometimes to go to the DMV instead of, <laughs> instead of spending time in God's word. Why is this? It's not because it's not we suddenly have this like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be on top of my stuff and I'm just going to get it done. We have an enemy who can lie to us, who can distract us, who can put thoughts into our head. Martin Luther once said, uh, you can't keep the enemy from, you can't just, like you can't keep birds from maybe flying on your head, you can keep them from making a nest there. So as we go into 2019, be aware that this coming Tuesday or this Monday, 
you're going to go to spend time with the Word of God, and you're maybe going to need to shake some thoughts out of your head. You're maybe going to need to have a notepad and write down, I'm going to do this later, but I'm not going to do this now. I'm going to spend time with my God. He is also going to accuse of past sin. You're going to be starting to spend time in the Word of God and suddenly remember, remember some of the things you regret and some of the things that you feel so unworthy the reasons that you want to just hide from community, that you, you don't want to really press in and be known by other people, he's going to remind you of your past sin. He's going to lie to you. You're going to think things like, I just can't do this. I can't possibly do this. To which I would say, um, I was just reading about King Josiah. Does anybody know about King Josiah? King Josiah began to rule when he was eight years old. And it says, when he was eight years old, he began to seek after God. And at 12, he started to do reform in the land of Israel, tear down altars. So if an eight-year-old is seeking after the ways of God, and this isn't like a biased, this isn't a biased evaluation, right? It's not like his mom was just writing the Bible and like, he was a really nice boy. No, he was actually seeking after God. To the lie that you can't read the Bible... Um, you read all kinds of things. You read all kinds of things. I can't remember anything. For some of us who love sports, I bet you can name every player on the Lakers roster right this second. You could tell me how many minutes they play, what their points per uh, game are, how many rebounds, how they're doing. Some of us love fantasy, fantasy football, fantasy basketball. We can remember the things we want. Musicians, all these different things. And I say that not out of guilt or shame, but to say, hey, don't listen to the enemy. Like, you can do this. You can do this. We might hear some of the lies of, I honestly don't really need this. I don't really need this. Or we might, uh, we might have the fear against which David clearly cries out, God, maybe just God won't come through. Like, what if I clear my calendar, I spend the time with him, and nothing changes? We have an enemy who is going to lie to us. Not only that, but we also have our flesh and sinful desires to fight, as well as the pull of the world, an upstream swim against against what the world would say life is all about, what the pursuit of happiness should lead to, what, what we deserve in life. We have to fight against those things. We have to be corrected by the word of God. It's not going to happen naturally. We need our minds renewed, and we're going against all these things. So how are we to meet this threefold enemy of our flesh, the devil, and the pull of the world? First, I think it's by declaring the promise of God. Declaring the promise of God. David said, none who wait for you will be put to shame. And then crying out to God, oh God, make known to me your paths. God, show me Show me your truth. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you're the God of my salvation. And for you, I wait all the day long. How will we know his ways? In, in view of our enemies, in view of all the conflict going on, what, what are we to do in that? Are we just say, God, just help me, just a prayer in the morning? Well, think of Jesus. I want you to think of Jesus and how he handled his enemy, the devil, in the wilderness. 
So in Matthew chapter 4, you pick up the story and you see Jesus was just led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. And he has fasted for 40 days and nights. And in one of the great understatements in all of the Bible, it declares, and he was hungry. Um, so Jesus is there, and then the devil comes to him, and he starts questioning the core of what his identity is. He begins uh, his first two temptations by saying this, if you are the son of God, dot, dot, dot. And then he tempts him. He offers him something that's really, really uh, attractive in the moment, really pulls at him. The first thing he says is this. He says, you see these stones, Jesus? Why don't you just turn these into loaves of bread? Just eat. I know you're hungry. If you're the son of God, why are you going to stay hungry? And Satan tempts his, tempts his physical being. And we, we face these temptations, right? We face these temptations in our eating and drinking habits, in what we take in in our eyes, in how we steward our sexuality that God has given us. We face these physical temptations. And then Jesus, Jesus uh, he resists it, and we're going to get into how, but the next thing that Satan does is he takes him up to the top of the temple and he says, hey, Jesus, if you're the son of God, jump off this temple right now. Jump off the temple. And he quotes to him some scripture. He says, don't you know the scriptures say that your foot won't strike the ground, that an angel will bear you up. Why don't you show the power you have? Why don't you reveal yourself to be the son of God? He tempts him to go outside of God's timing, to test God. Jesus resists it. But thirdly, Satan takes him and he, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, all that he possesses at that moment. He says, if you bow down and you worship me, everything is yours. He offers him glory without a cross. He offers him all the power and wealth and lust of the eyes that he could have. He says, but do it my way. Do it and worship me. Now, what does Jesus do every single time to every single one of the temptations he faces? He turns to that devil and he says, it is written. It is written. Turn stones to bread. He turns to me and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. At the top of the temple, he says, you shall not, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And he says to him, when he says, bow down and worship me, he turns to him and he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and you shall serve him alone. Now, every single time, each one of those quotations and the book itself that Jesus quoted most, do you know what that is? Deuteronomy. Every single temptation the devil throws at him in the wilderness, he comes back to him with a verse from Deuteronomy. Oh, that I would be a man of God and that we would be men and women of God so acquainted with the Bible that we, when we face the temptations to use cutting words that tear people down and to gossip and to lust, and to sin, that we would be acquainted with the word of God to be able to draw from the riches of a book like Deuteronomy and find the sustenance 
that we need. And the Son of God would use Deuteronomy against all of the tactics of the devil. Why should we not endeavor to read through and know all of the scriptures? Do you see that? The primary way, how are we to know the ways of God? How are we to be led in the truth? The primary way we are led in the truth and taught the ways and paths of God are by seeing how he has revealed himself through his word throughout history. And I need to remind us, because we constantly need reminding, that this is not an ordinary book. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture, every single part of it, every word is breathed out from the mouth of God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21 says that we have this prophetic word and that no prophecy comes from man's own interpretation. Have you ever heard that? Well, that's just your interpretation. No, this is the word of God. That no prophecy ever came from man's interpretation. That no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, as Tyler said at the very beginning, bringing this plan to our attention. He said, uh, man does not live by bread alone. Here we have our true bread that we live on. Psalm 19 says of the word of God that it is perfect which we could stop there, but it goes on. That it's perfect, that it's reviving to the soul, that it's sure, it makes our heart rejoice, it enlightens our eyes, it endures forever. True and righteous is it all together. It's more to be desired than gold. It's sweeter than honey or McConnell's or Rory's ice cream. It's more sure than the podcast you listen to. It's more proven than the self-help or Christian book you're reading. This is the word of God. And we should tremble. Man, we should tremble that we have this book written in our language. There are men and women across the world who don't yet have this book. That it makes us wise unto salvation. It is unbreakable. It is infallible. It's without error. It makes us wise unto salvation. With the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we possess all things we need pertaining to life and godliness. It's the sword of the Spirit we wield against our enemy and the balm to deal with our hurts. And man, the reason I'm emotional right now, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I just got a puppy. Maybe that's deal with it. But um, no, I think... Man, I looked for healing, I looked for fulfillment, and I looked for purpose in so many places. And it was only in this book that I ever found the meaning of life. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Okay, so here we see David. He shows us 
what, what we're supposed to do as we read the Bible. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just like memorize some facts about Father Abraham and hear about Jacob and like just push through Leviticus? Like what am I to do uh, with this? Here's what we do. We, one, we recall the stories of God. The stories of old where we see God's steadfast love and mercy. And then we take those stories and we apply those things to where we are needy. And so, so you're going you're gonna, to, if you start this plan, uh, by Genesis chapter 12, you're going to encounter Abraham. And you've heard all kinds of things about Abraham. Maybe you've, you've read through his story, maybe countless times. But for me, every time I'm shocked at how much of a wreck Abraham is at times. How not once, but twice, he tells, he tells a powerful person that his wife is just his sister so that he won't have his life threatened. Okay, is that, is that a level of cowardice some of us haven't yet sunk to? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's a wreck, but the book of Romans is going to say that he did not waver concerning the promises of God. And I, and I have to wrestle with that. Of God, because of your grace and forgiveness, that's actually how you could see someone? That his cowardice was actually dealt with? And so we see the, that Abraham's a wreck, and we realize that righteousness comes from trusting God, that he can and he will fulfill his promises. And we get to, we get to David, and we see how David sinned apparently in some ways early on in his life that he later deems the sins of my youth, that apparently they haunt him over and over again. And some of us, we have sins from early in our life, and they haunt us. But we along with them pray, Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. And we see that God said David was a man after my own heart. So we apply that to ourselves. Okay, David sinned in a, atrocious ways that haunted him. God can view me as a man or a woman after his own heart too. We deal with our enemies by knowing the ways of God. Next thing we see in this psalm is a longing for guidance. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. One of the primary motivations we all have in reading God's word is to gain wisdom and to be guided in our decision making. And that's good and that is right. But I think we all, as we approach God's word, we have different questions about our life, about the place we should, we should go or move. Now, we clearly know the Bible isn't just a life map, right? We know there's no, there's no clear thing uh, in here of you should definitely just move to this place right now and just do that. Go there. Now, 
let me be straight. There are some maps in here, okay? <laughs> but none of it, none of it is going to just give you the instantaneous answer apart from God's Holy Spirit coming and speaking to you of what we should do. We seek, uh, ta- we ask questions like, God, what job should I take? We ask things like, what ministry should I serve in? Who should I marry? Thanks, brother. No, that's good. That's a true friend, honestly. (laughs) Um, We ask things like that. Psalm 25, though, it holds out something better than just a simple, straight answer to those questions. And I know those are the things we long for. I know those are just the things we are caring to know. But in order to get the better thing than a simple answer, uh, we need two things that the psalm shows us. We need to be humble in heart and we need to fear the Lord. Psalm 25 says, hey, whatever question you have, where should I go? Should I take this offer? Should I do this? Should I not do that? It says, hey, okay, I know know you want to know about that, but here's something better. But in order to see this better thing, you need to be humble and you need to fear the Lord. Be humble, which means acknowledge God is wiser than you are. He's wiser than we are and we need his wisdom. As we come and we pour ourselves over this book, we actually come under it. We don't stand in a position over it just evaluate some of its statements. We come under it. We say, I'm, I'm in need of wisdom. Speak to me. You know, I graduated from Westmont College with a degree in religious studies without ever having read through this Bible. And the reason, the reason I never read through the entire Bible is because I was proud. I, ra- I, rather, I rather be able to tell people that I had read Calvin's Institutes or the works of John Owen. I rather pour myself over theological volumes because that would seem more impressive to people than put myself under his word, than to read through all of it. Who's going to know if I really have read through all of that? But, oh, <laughs> the pain I would have saved myself if I had spent every day in a month going through Proverbs over and over and over again. Like, I think the kind of heartache I could save myself is unparalleled, unmatched, but I was proud. How many foolish decisions we'd be saved if we came under God's word, if we, if we listened to what his commandments are. Those Those who know, those who God seeks to lead are those who know they are sinners. Those who know they're sinners. This reading plan, it's not like extra credit for already there Christians. Okay? It's not like, well, I've kind of reached, I've kind of reached some of the peaks, I guess, and you know, corporate worship was good for a while, but now I'm looking for something a little more. No, this is for people who say, man, I need healing. And I, I, I need to repent of some sins. And I don't know how totally to get over some of these things, but I need 
God's help. That is humble. And it says the humble man, the humble woman God seeks to lead. He or she is the one he wants uh, to direct in the way they should choose. Not only are we to be humble, but we're to fear the Lord. And praise God, we're a church that talks a decent amount about the fear of the Lord. Because the Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. It says, who is the one to whom I'm going to look? Him who fears my word, who fears me and trembles at my word. It says at the end of Isaiah. But we also know from 1 John that perfect love casts out all fear, right? And so how are, we to, how are we to navigate that tension between fearing God and his perfect love having cast out all fear? Well, I think for us, the fear of the Lord, those of us in Christ, it's not being afraid of being punished, but it's to say, God, you are truly holy. And you are truly powerful. Fear hones us in in the right way. It hones us in. When you're afraid because of something, everything in the background kind of fades out. And all of your senses are attuned to one thing. And you hear clear. And you see. You can feel And I think a lot of the times we associate that fear, that we have fear because something's dangerous. And I don't think we simply fear something because it's dangerous, because it it might punish us or hurt us in some way, though that could be true. But I think it's, it's it's more primordially, it's more at its core because it's powerful. Because something is powerful. To fear the Lord is to be in awe of him and his power in the way we're in awe of the staggering drop of the Grand Canyon or the recent like 50, 60 foot waves at Mavericks. It's to see that and to be honed into that and say, that is truly powerful. And along with First John, it's to know, but perfect love casts out all my fear. So it's like, to be in the barrel of mavericks knowing you are completely safe. What would that be like? I know for one thing, you're, you're not going to say to yourself, I wonder if I can just dive in right here and still be safe. No, you're going to stay where you are, but you're going to observe everything. To the, be in the fear of God is to know we are safe in his love, but that does not detract from his awesomeness and his power and his purity and his holiness. Be humble and fear the Lord. Observe him. Be honed in to who he is. And it's to the humble and those who fear him that Psalm 25 says, God gives himself in friendship. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Now, this verse has arrested my heart over the past few weeks and months as I've been seeing the Lord in some, own, some of my own decision-making things, seeking, God, where would you guide and where would you lead and should this or that, the ways that we bring our questions to God about our lives before him. And as I've been praying, God, help me. I need an answer on this or that. I came across this verse. And I thought, 
Lord, do you give your friendship to those who fear you? Now, what's fascinating about it is this. Uh, let's get the next. So, in the ESV, this word uh, is translated friendship. But then the NASB, the old throwback, uh, it says the secret of the Lord. Or in some translations, it'll say the secret counsel. Some of us like that. Yeah, it sounds kind of Lord of the Rings-esque. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. Now this word, uh, that word, translate friendship or counsel, uh, Derek Kidner has this uh, to say about it, who's a commentator on the Psalms. Friendship is the Hebrew word sowed. Can you say sowed? There you go. You know Hebrew. Meaning both counsel and counsel. Both the circle of one's close associates and the matters that are discussed with them. This whole approach to divine guidance is personal and mature, unlike the basically pagan search for irrational pointers and omens. Oh, that last point just cut me to the heart. So I was seeking God on something and I'd see a sign. I'm like, God, is that you? Is that you, God? What would happen if I walked past and I didn't see that sign? Um, I guess that's just me. It's fine. This, this, this means this, that as we seek the will of God for our life and we seek his face, there is the friendship of God on offer. And this is both, this is both, but at times one or the other, this is both his nearness and his wisdom. This is both, this is both his counsel, his presence among us, and his providential wisdom, his secret counsel. We sometimes, we only want his wisdom sometimes. Like, God, just give me the answer. Just tell me what I should do, and I'll go do it. But God loves us too much. He's only going to give us the right wisdom at the right time in the right way. And so often as we seek to spend time with the Lord daily throughout the year, what he's going to give us most often is the gift of his daily friendship. And that will be enough. Thomas Watson, uh, an old Puritan, reflects on uh, the friendship of God in the life of some of the men of the Bible. Walking with God is the best way to know, to know the mind of God. Friends who walk together impart their secrets to one another, which I would never state that way, but it's true. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Noah walked with God, and the Lord revealed a great secret to him of destroying the old world, of having him in the ark. Abraham walked with God, and God made him one of his privy counsel. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God doth sometimes sweetly unbosom himself to the soul in prayer and in the Holy Supper as Christ made himself known to the disciples in the breaking of bread. God reveals himself to us in friendship and relationship with him. We're not guaranteed the answers of when God is going to supernaturally guide us. But do you know, he normally does it in the normal routines of friendship. 
Just like, just like you and a friend, as you go on a walk, you, you talk to each other about what's going on in life and where maybe God is leading you and what's happening. So God does as we spend time with him in his word. He leads us and he speaks to us. As we daily get up and seek to know God in his word and prayer, he meets us and he gives us his friendship. The other, at sometimes he's just going to faithfully give us what we need in his word. He's not going to answer all the questions we have, but it's going to be enough. Some mornings when you spend time with God, it'll be awesome. You'll be reading the book of Ezekiel and it'll like be speaking to every detail of your life. And you'll be like, surely this is the word of God. And other days, other days, you're going to show up and you're not going to feel anything spectacular, but you're coming to the one who can feed your soul. And you're going to ask him, God, give me what I need today. And he's going to provide what you need today. So we have realistic expectations of friendship with God that sometimes feel like soaring heights and other times they feel like normal days. But we have his friendship. We have him with us. Now, I also want to remind us in talking all about seeking the counsel of God, that what this verse says, that he makes his covenant known to them, that we actually have been told the secret that angels long to look into. We have, we have the knowledge of how Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, came to make us and call us his friends while we were still his enemies. Did you know that the book of, uh, that one of Peter's epistles says that angels long to look into the mystery of the gospel? How is God going to reconcile these people to himself? We've been made known that, that he would come and die for us. So the psalmist says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. He's going to be my helper. Now let's, let's talk about, lastly, resolving our guilt. We deal with our enemy by knowing the ways of God. We seek guidance from God and get the friendship of him. And lastly, as we read the word, we consistently learn how to resolve our guilt. Now, can I be straight up with you? This is why I picked Psalm 25, okay? Because there is a constant humility and reality in here that David is like, I'm a sinner. And there's some Psalms that I'm still kind of waiting of being able to fully resonate with where David says, my hands are clean and pure. Look at God, like I haven't done wrong. And that's not me most days, okay? That's me. I don't know if that's me any days this last year. But here, here, Lord, you instruct sinners in the way. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. He says this, turn to me and be gracious to me. For I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Here's the truth. 
you're not going to be perfect in 2019. You're not, you're not going to follow the reading plan perfectly. And some of you are like, you don't know me. Like, I, <laughs> I'll set a schedule and I will get it done. Okay, your heart is jacked. It's messed up. But don't let that stop you from seeking friendship with God. Okay? Your guilt, the things that keep you from the word of God, our guilt, I can't come to God right now. I shouldn't go to church this Sunday. Do you know what I did last night? Do you know what this kind of week has been? David brings his guilt constantly to God. So we bring it to God. We say, Lord, forgive me. Your circumstances, maybe you, you, hate, you hate the relationship status you're in right now. You just want it to change. Or you hate your job. Or you don't like yourself. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Man, even some of my best friends, if I went up to them and said, man, I am lonely and afflicted right now. and The troubles of my heart are enlarged. I don't know totally, I think they'd be pretty gracious to me, but I don't know if I can bear my soul in that way all the time. David in the midst of where he is, says, here I am, God. Here's, here's the bare naked truth. I'm lonely. I'm afflicted. The troubles on my heart feel so big. It feels like my, hurt, my heart has already burst or it's about to burst. This means that we can be ruthlessly honest with God. This was, this, these verses were some of my constant prayers when I felt like I just made a train wreck of my own life. And so as we daily spend time with God, we don't let our circumstances keep us from God. We come and we, we pour out our hearts before him. We tell him everything that's going on. And we don't try to dress it up. We don't put makeup on it. Say, here it is, God. So it's not perfection, but perseverance that we're after right? Are you with me on that? You, you mess up? All right, let's talk about this. Um, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to say to you, hey, we're all going to blow it so it's all good, okay? That's lame. That's so lame. Like, apply that to any movie. You'll never watch that movie. Apply it to any sports team. Like, Ah, I know we're just going to mess up on some plays, so ah, just go out there, just do your best, and if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. Can you imagine Rocky, the movie Rocky, if he just said, hey, you know what? It's going to be kind of a hard fight. You're going to take some punches to the face. So whatever happens, it happens. We all blow it sometimes. Who would ever see that? We know, we know inherently that it's lame to say, well, we won't live up to it, so I guess it's all good, guys. No. Okay, let's let the fact that we're not going to be perfect, let's let that bring humility to ourselves. Let's let it humble us. I'm, I'm not perfect. I can't, I can't do everything perfectly. But let's not, let us re, let's not make it have us resign. <laughs> let's have it bring us 
to humility, not resignation, right? Um, I want to call you up in Christ. I want us to set the bar high. I don't want us to say, we're all just going to blow it, so whatever. But I want to say, here would be life for you. Here is life. This is God's holy word. You know what? You won't be perfect. But because this book is from the mouth of God, and he's perfect, because he loved us while we were yet his enemies, and because his friendship is for those who fear him, let us say this, I may fall, but I will never stop getting back up. And I may fall a thousand times, but by the grace of God, I'll get up a thousand and one times. He picked me up when I was dead. He put his spirit inside of me. And so I'm never going to stop getting up and pursuing him because his grace is there for me. The only lasting change I have ever seen in my own life has not come after I said, I will never do that again. I will not do that. I won't say that hurtful thing, even though I think it's funny. I will not, I will not watch that movie that I know is terrible for me. I will not overeat, even though I want to. It's never come from me resolving my own willpower and saying, I will not. But it's come from saying, you know what? I may fall and fail in this, but I will never stop confessing my sin. And I will never stop bringing this to the Lord in prayer. And I will never stop repenting of this. We are after perseverance, not perfection. This is our means of grace. This is one of the avenues that God pours his grace into us by revealing who he is to us. David ends by saying this, Let, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Who's, I want to ask, whose integrity and uprightness? It's not David's. You kidding me? Over and over again, I'm a sinner. I forgive, all my circumstances are bad, and also I have all this sin. Like, forgive me. It's God's uprightness. It's God's integrity. We trust in him. It's not David's integrity and uprightness, but his friends. Okay, so practically, let's really briefly, because you guys, I believe you know, you know how to do some of these things, right? You know how to read a book. You know how to do some of these different things. Let's practically talk about uh, what it might look like in the new year. So it's practical, so I made everything start with a P. You down for that? Yeah. I hope so. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to plan, pray, partner, and persevere, okay? So plan. Most things in life don't, most things we fail to do in life aren't because, aren't always because we're just the worst, most terrible people in life. It's because we don't plan to do them, right? Um, I love my wife, but if I don't plan to like take her on a date or something, it's just not going to happen. Life just comes at us. It's so busy. Um, So we're going to plan, uh, we're going to plan to spend time with God. This means really basically, uh, you figure out the time. I'm not going to advocate for the morning. I'm just going to say you should do it in the morning. I'm just kidding. Um, figure out a time, figure out a place, 
make it special in some way, right? I remember a couple years ago, Britt talking about uh, he would set up a little fire. He would get his coffee all ready. He would have a blanket out there. One of my favorite things is having my blanket ready where it is. Like, like prep. I, <laughs> too intimate? <laughs> um, I prep my coffee the morning before, right? I don't grind it before because that would be atrocious, but um, <laughs> fill up the kettle. It's just going to be ready to heat up to 208 degrees. And I'm going to drink something really nice from my Chemex. And you do whatever you do, okay? I'm at a place in life that I, you, if hazelnut creamer is what, is what helps you meet with the Lord, that is awesome. But let's make it special. Time apart with him. Seeking him. A place, a time. Uh, let's pray, okay? Uh, if we're seeking the friendship of God, what fools would we be if we just read this book where we never pray, we never talk to him? So just start out in the morning. One of my favorite prayers from the, Psalm, from the Psalms is, incline my heart to your testimonies, God. Incline my heart to your word. Give me a heart for this right now. And he's faithful to answer those prayers. Uh, partner. <clears throat> okay, so we bag so much on technology now, right? And I'm like one of the main like haters of technology and iPhones, even though we all have them. Um, or Android. I know you Android users. So <clears throat> let's redeem some of the technology we have and let's do it this way. Let's partner up. Just you create a little text group. You find two or three people that you're going to be reading the Bible together with and you just text them things about what you're reading. Okay, I, I have one of these and it is such an encouragement to me. It is such a redemption of technology, right? There's some days I'll get around at 10 a.m. They'll be like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm thinking if it was myself, I just kind of let, let it go to the side. Yeah, I didn't read today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm like, oh, wow, it's really an amazing day today. Oh, what does that mean? I have to look it up. Figure out, partner up. Uh, you know how to do that. Lastly, persevere. Never stop getting up. Never stop getting up. Christ came for you while you were his enemy. He died for you while you were yet a sinner. God knows all things. He's omniscient. You think you, think you messing up the way you're going to in 2019 is going is to nullify his love and his grace for you? It's not. So let's keep getting up and going back to the place we'll find healing for our souls. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, would we be good stewards of the treasure we have in your word? God, would we consistently keep seeking you? Would we just continually seek your strength and your presence? I ask now uh, that there would be no guilt or shame uh, for what 2018 was but that we would lay all of our sin, we would confess it to you, and we would trust wholly in the cross of Christ and his resurrection. And that uh, even if we've completely made a train wreck of 2018, we would trust that uh, you can work all things and you do work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Lord, would would the final days of 2018 be saying, my God is going to redeem all of what happened. 
my God is good and I trust in him. I don't trust in myself. Would we worship and sing to you now, Jesus? Thank you. Thank you that you have called us friends.